Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. I feel so helpless sometimes, you know? We sat in this historic, dense fog for nearly two weeks. Dangerous smoke. Hazardous smoke. Our skies shifting like Pantone color swatches, from honey to Tuscany to amber to khaki. I, I watched the smoke dance down the street through my window, twirling around the Space Needle, dipping through downtown, taunting me as I struggled to catch my breath. But no matter which way the wind would blow, the smoke was just sure to follow. We were socked in, trapped in, walled in, a 15 to 20 hour drive to the closest distance we could find to find clean air. I, I sat there feeling just so helpless, fighting for every breath, frustrated, angry, gritting my teeth at every comment online about how climate change is a hoax, that cooler weather will just happen, just like warmer weather was supposed to just kill the virus. Maybe, maybe it's the smoke-induced quarantine, on the hills of COVID-induced quarantine, in the midst of racial injustice and climate injustice as voting rights get stripped away and the voiceless become even more ignored. The degradation of truth, of right, of good. I listen and hear the centuries of pain expressed through a deep lament, a, a grief and a pain so deep, so full, so present, a, a grief and a pain unlike anything I myself have ever experienced, imprisoned, shackled, chained, within the bodies of my friends of color. We live in a country of death, masquerading as a land of life. I've never felt more helpless in my life. And this, this is just the tip of the spear. The chaos that we have foisted upon ourselves in this country, the, the echoes of history resounding louder and louder, the, the inner scream crying to be released into the void. Will it make a difference? Can I make a difference? I just feel so helpless. Only to be met by the voices of chastisement and threat. You're a pastor. You're supposed to be positive. You're not supposed to talk this way. You're, you're nothing but a false prophet and a false pastor. You need to be quiet before something happens to you. The perceived power that I have to change things, draining from my being, dripping and falling from my fingertips. Helpless. Helpless. And perhaps the reason I feel so helpless is that I know our story. 
I know deep in my bones that it's not supposed to be this way, that, that this was not the intention of the Creator. He, he didn't intend to create some epic, real-life version of the Hunger Games for his own entertainment. I've spent, I've spent so much time in the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2. We were given a garden, a beautiful garden where we could breathe, where we saw each other fully and truly for who we were. A garden filled with truth, with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. A, a garden that upon its creation was declared good, whole, complete. And then we paved it with oil and ensconced everything in plastic. We torched the skies with our carelessness, destroying our virtues and the gifts God gave us, murdering the image of God in each other and in ourselves. We went to war with God. To this day, we haven't stopped our destructive ways. In our moments of progress, in our moments of change, of revealing love and joy and peace, recovering parts of the fruit of the Spirit, we collectively roll up our sleeves and tear it all back down again, re-entering the cycle of destruction. Humanity, in all of its brokenness, has been a cancer to this world, to one another, to ourselves. And I know, I know there are some of you out there right now with your eyes wide open, your mouth agape, shifting uncomfortably in your seat. Yo, this is dark. Yes. Yes, it is. And I hope it's a bit uncomfortable. Because here's the thing. We've become too comfortable, too cozy with the dark. We've just spent so much time ignoring the darkness, ignoring the realities around us that we're allowing it all to run amok. I, you see, I, I believe that it's time for us to become reacquainted with the dark, to open our eyes to what is truly surrounding us and our complicities, and know that what we see is merely the tip of the spear. After Jesus's ascension in the book of Acts, at the very beginning of Acts, the, the disciples gathered together to pray. And I find myself wondering, what did they pray about? What words did they offer to God? What, what questions did they have for him? What, what anger did they hold? What fears permeated their being? What grief and sorrow and sadness? Why did Jesus have to leave us? Were they gripped by insecurities and uncertainty? Did they feel inadequate and helpless? I have to think that they looked at the landscape around them. They looked around and saw this world and wondered how on earth were they supposed to reveal the kingdom of God in this? A small band of people tasked with taking on the world, of revealing life in the land of death, revealing truth as deceit and lies ran rampant in the halls of power, with a ruler who fashioned himself as a god, as the savior of the world, 
a ruler who held rallies and created large spectacles in his own honor for his own praise to call people to devotion and allegiance to him alone. An overlord who promised peace, but peace through power and submission, who fomented strife and division and used injustice and oppression to hold on to power. How is this group of 120 Jesus followers supposed to reveal the kingdom of God in this? What did they have to offer? What do you think they prayed? Because as I sit and stare into the void of the darkness that surrounds us, now I'm often found without words. I'm often found without a voice. All, all I have are sighs and groans. I'm just hoping that God understands these utterances. And you know, I think he does. I think our groans, our deep sighs, our wordlessness is, is actually a beautiful form of prayer. The Apostle Paul wasn't in that room with the others as they tried to figure out how to pray and, and, and what to pray for. But Paul himself lived at the exact same time, experienced the exact same darkness, was beaten and left for dead in his protestations of the darkness. I, I think Paul had his own bouts of wordless prayer, of, of sighs and groans, which is why he wrote in Romans 8, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. If you have your Bibles with you or your smartphone next to you, open them up right now to that passage, Romans 8, 26 through 28, and mark it, underline it, highlight it, make it stand out. Because as we wrestle and struggle and fight with the darkness around us, as we stand battered and bruised from these battles, staring into the void with wordless groans and sighs, let these words be of comfort to you and know that God hears your groans. God hears your sighs as a prayer. He, he knows our pain. He knows our grief. He knows our struggle for good, for truth, for justice, for righteousness. And, and he understands because the world doesn't look like he intended it to either. Which is why he gave us Jesus, another beautiful gift which we destroyed and continue to destroy today. Just an aside for a moment. Well, one of the most powerful life-giving, life-directing, and informative things I've ever heard happened when I was uh, 17 years old. It was a quote that struck me hard and has been a force in my life, a guiding force. It was from Brennan Manning, a former priest who, who deeply understood the scandalous nature of grace. He said, The single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians 
who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and turn around and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply calls unbelievable. We continue the great centuries-old project of destroying Jesus. And, and honestly, in the words of my new friend Revan Seku, more times than not, I feel like a missionary to my own faith tradition. And you know, I think the disciples felt the exact same way. As they sat in that room, as they, as they surveyed the darkness around them, as they sat there with all of these complex thoughts and feelings, the feelings of helplessness and inadequacy, of feeling unworthy, I think they leaned into the prayers of old to give them words, to center them, to comfort them. I, I think they were praying through the Psalms. And, you know, I, I think that's why I found so much use and comfort in the ancient forms of prayer. While I know that groans and sighs are heard and understood by God, I, I want to begin finding words to name the groans and sighs. I want to begin the process of formulating what it is that I'm feeling and experiencing. And so I, too, find myself praying, much like the disciples did, through the Psalms and through other ancient forms of prayer, like the prayers found in the Book of Common Prayer or by St. Francis and St. Patrick, Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa, Teresa of Avila, Rilke, Rumi, and, and so many others. They give me words when I have none to give. They help guide me in naming what needs to be named. And it's why we've been teaching these prayers and practices in our community. And more intentionally, these past couple of weeks, through our guided prayers and Thursday midday prayers, and through breath prayers and the daily examine, our weekly spiritual practices are an opportunity for us to lean into the ancient practices of the past, to give us words when we have none to give. But here's the thing that I think is important and, and paramount for us to recognize and know. Yes, prayer provides us with comfort. It centers us. It's a release of thoughts and feelings and emotion. But more than all of this, prayer activates us. Let me say that again. Prayer activates us. You see, after the disciples left the room, the Spirit of God descended upon them. The, the Spirit of God empowered them. The Spirit of God emboldened them. The, the Spirit of God activated them. And from that moment on, they never stopped exposing the darkness to the light of the kingdom of God. They never stopped showing the world what truth is, what justice is, what goodness is, what peace is, what love is. They never stopped. You see, prayer is a form of spiritual activism, a form of spiritual activism that opens us up to the Spirit of God, who is working all around us to expose the darkness to the light. And I know that sometimes it feels like prayer is pointless. 
a grand waste of time, that prayer prevents us from actually doing the work, that, that prayer pulls us away from the work. But here's the thing. We don't step out of the world when we pray. Prayer isn't some mystical, ecstatic moment that transports us into another time and place, another dimension. Rather, prayer grounds us in the here and now. It allows us to see the world anew, it, to see the world in a different way, in a different light. Prayer shows us where the light is winning. Prayer shows us where the light is exposing the darkness. Prayer is ultimately the journey of chasing the light and of shining the light into the darkness all around us. Prayer moves us beyond our self-interests and enables us to see the world in the mirror of the holy. Prayer makes visible the right and reveals what is hampering or false. You see, I can make all the waves that I want. I can, I can jump in and around and, and cause a ruckus. I can splash water everywhere. And, and other people can join me in that as well. But, but in the end of the day, the water will settle. And everything will just remain the same. But prayer? Prayer makes things different. Prayer changes things. And the more I pray, the more things change. And if I pray continuously, if I pray constantly, if I pray as I sit, if I pray as I go, if I pray everywhere I am, whether through groans and sighs or guided prayers or breath prayers, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Father in heaven, shine your light. The world around me will change because prayer will activate me. Prayer will illuminate the light that is at work and has been at work all around me. Prayer will ground me in the here and now to see the world anew, to see the world in a different way, in a different light. It will enable me to see the world in the mirror of the holy. And just imagine, what if we did this? Imagine if it wasn't just one tea bag in this class, but 10, 20, 30, 40. Imagine if we all committed to praying together. <laughs> That'd be one strong cup of tea. That'd be one strong community. That'd be one strong people, activated to not only expose the darkness, but to extinguish it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen, amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.